tell your friends, the Mark and Max show is back and better than ever. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Max show up and Adam running hard, man. <laughs> or not, you know. Maybe, maybe not. R- running, <laughs> rolling. Using yeah. Walker. <laughs> oh man, the world's fastest roller coaster, Mark. Oh, wow, I yeah. I made the stupid decision one time to say, "Hey, I'll ride the world's biggest wooden roller coaster 102 times." <laughs> oh gosh. Oh gosh. Every time I see a roller coaster now, I still think about it. It's been almost half my life away, but yeah. still, yeah, yeah, kills me, man. Yeah. So anyway, that how was fast great, is the world's fastest one? Yeah, that particular roller coaster was a great uh, roller coaster. I don't. You like that? I liked it. I did. It I was at it. A, just FYI. It was at a place called Visionland, which mm-hmm. was outside of uh, Birmingham, Alabama. Yep. And uh, it was a theme park. It was one of these places where they brought a bunch of carnival rides to create kind of like a minor league <laughs> Six Flags. Right. And then yeah. they added a water park to be kind of like a minor league Whitewater. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so basically, we had a double A <laughs> place to go play. <laughs> That's right. That really ripped you off a lot <laughs> all it was missing was the baby races you know yes with, with a statue of larry langford out yes. front uh who ended up going to prison for corruption as a mayor so there you Yikes. go yeah Man. and the only thing in the whole place that actually felt like it had some cred- credibility was that roller coaster yep. you know the rampage the, the rampage, rampage. Yep. yeah yeah <laughs> great little oh, roller my. coaster but it didn't hold a candle to this one the world's fastest roller coaster is going to be taking thrill riders soon for a three-minute ride around a massive track while achieving unprecedented speeds of 155 miles per hour. Ooh. Yeah, they're calling it Falcon's Flight. It's um, under development at Six Flags Kadia in the Middle East, which is set to open in Saudi Arabia next year, 2023. The roller coaster is planned to have a two and a half mile long track that takes riders around curbs, loops, and a vertical cliff into a 525-foot-deep valley. Six Flags Cadilla will be home to 28 attractions, but Falcon's Flight will be the centerpiece of the park. And they're going to have the world's uh, largest bucket for puke after they get done. LifeRadio.fm, <laughs> the Mark and Mac show where we do talk about finding thrift store things mm-hmm. every now and again. Yeah. Actually, every show, because that's like Mark's biggest hobby on the weekend. He and our buddy Mike Eccles, man, they get up early. It's like yeah. the stores don't open till eight, but they're getting there ready. They're they're doing they're getting their coffee on at five a.m. Man, yeah. the Romeos getting ready for the you, stores to open. There are many times we're standing at the door waiting on them to unlock. Wow, you, know? <laughs> you would you would think it was Black Friday, but no, it's just hey, thrift store Saturday. It's leftover so, leftover Saturday. Yes, here you go with the biggest find ever at a head of thrift store wow um it's understood that when you buy something secondhand you assume some risks you know you're just gonna you're gonna find something about it that's just not right and you're gonna have to fix it probably the item in question is probably old uh, and the owners might call it gently used it's probably pretty worn worn down pretty badly there are invisible stains and stenches and who knows what else embedded in in uh, the item if it's a piece of furniture and there but one couple in ireland got a really unnerving surprise after taking home a used sofa. They found thousands, thousands of human fingernails under the couch cushions. 
29 year old jess taylor says uh, seeing all that was like something out of a horror film it was so gross she'd been looking for a new sofa after her dog destroyed her previous one by jumping on it that's got to be a big dog you know <laughs> yeah. uh, because of the budget constraints she bought an environmentally friendly davenport in other words secondhand maybe third all was well wow. until about a week later when the tv remote got lost in the couch cushions oh no yeah while searching for it her boyfriend happened upon a huge collection of candy wrappers and fingernails uh, yeah. uh, she says upon inspection and multiple gags later we retrieved not hundreds but thousands of fingernails of varying sizes she writes in a facebook post yeah come on now <laughs> you know just fyi you know how you know i didn't find this because yeah. the story was not about the local fire department showing up to put out a burning couch oh <laughs> liferadio.fm the mark and mag show still having trouble getting past the fingernail couch but you know it's it's almost like you know I'm, i've got a new idea for what to do with my car so in case my car gets stolen you go and lean this thing up here's what you're gonna find you know hey <laughs> i saw this where it says florida man steals car yeah train takes care of the business <laughs> yeah this guy in florida says he jumped from a stolen car seconds before it was hit by a train and it was sent flying into a nearby home. The sleeping residents were unharmed, and the man was later arrested. Police said the man claimed he stole the car in a good-faith effort <laughs> to search for his own vehicle after leaving a bar early Saturday in Martin County, around 50 miles north of West Palm Beach. It, because so many things make perfect sense when alcohol's involved. Wow. <laughs> Instead, Man. he got stuck on the railroad tracks in the path of an oncoming train. After the crash, the man tried to steal a forklift from a nearby fruit stand, which he also vandalized, according to the, uh, the Martin County wow. Sheriff's Office. He was arrested after flagging down responding deputies to let them know he was still looking for his car. Wow. <laughs> Just grab the one in the middle, dude. <laughs> the homeowners were fine, but the explosive sound of a driverless car smashing into the side of their home was clearly jolting. Wow. The sheriff's office lets us know. The 38-year-old faces charges of grand theft and criminal mischief, and additional charges are expected. In describing the episode, the sheriff's office said, uh, no title could explain this case, but the details will. Well, it's best to just read on. Yeah. I'm guessing, though. This guy's going to go to court and he's going to give it the old good faith effort. You know, I wasn't stealing. I was looking for my car judge. And, uh, you know, I think this guy gets an extra couple of years tacked on for being a moron. You know, I think you're right. Life radio dot FM, the Mark and Mac show. And, you know, Mark, having watched a few uh, military documentaries in my life. Yeah. <laughs> I know that a flamethrower is not something that just shoots a flame. There's yeah. actually more to it than that. So seeing a story that says flamethrower melts snow, I know there's going to be a Paul Harvey on this. Yes. There has to be the rest <laughs> of the story. There is after a giant blizzard, some people will go to extraordinary lengths to deal with the snow. A homeowner in Seymour, Connecticut, thought it would be a great idea to thaw snow and ice with a flamethrower. 
But the hapless homeowner wasn't banking on the effort destroying his house as well. In a Facebook post, firefighters stated they responded to a home on January 29th to find a dwelling ablaze. While traveling to the emergency call, firefighters found out the snow clearer had used a flamethrower to do some melting and accidentally ignited the side of the home. Upon arrival, fire, uh, firefighters witnessed an outer wall engulfed in flames. Wow. The fire was quickly put out and the home was saved. Uh-huh. The post states, we do not recommend the use of flamethrowers or any similar devices as an attempt to melt ice. Now, somebody in Seymour, Connecticut ought to have seen more than this, you know? <laughs> Come on. Really? A flamethrower? That's your... <laughs> I know how to get rid of it, honey. No worries. Actually, you know what this is. Yeah. Guy sitting in his house, his wife's going, I'm just just constant. I just can't believe the ice is everywhere. They got ice everywhere. <laughs> you know? And the guy finally is just at his fill. He's like, okay, I can't but... shovel any more snow, Margaret. Come on. That's it. <laughs> I got you. I'll take care of this. I want to know where he got a flamethrower. I mean, <laughs> it's oh. not like you can go to the uh, go to the uh, some section at Walmart the store? The, or Walmart or the thrift store or anywhere and buy one. You know, <laughs> I was just thinking we're in Alabama, Mark. Don't you have one? <laughs> well, yes, I do. But and there you go. <laughs> there are rednecks everywhere. Stop. Stop pretending we only belong here. liferadio.fm the mark and mac show where i saw this article mark and i don't even remember where but it was about um an elderly man a, a veteran okay military vet and he's walking um down the highway he's got his little oxygen thing on and he's walking outside of jasper alabama hmm. and because of how he's walking down the highway with an and it's cold wearing a heavy jacket and oxygen Deputy pulls over and says, hey, man, what's going on? You know, he didn't need it. Obviously, he needed help. I mean, a guy with an oxygen tank should not be walking down the highway. Yeah. And the guy says, well, I have a doctor's appointment in Huntsville. I got no way to get there, and I have to make my appointment. Wow. And so this old dude was walking, hitchhiking. And so the wow. deputy's like, no way, man. Get in the car. So uh, just to give you an idea, Jasper uh, in Walker County, is a, it's a ways from Huntsville. I mean, mm-hmm. it's going to be. What, probably an hour and a half drive, two hours maybe, yeah. depending? Yeah. All right, just, let's just say an hour and a half. And this guy was walking it. He's hoofing it. So the deputy calls ahead, and he arranges for the next county over to meet a deputy. And they get the guy to his appointment that wow. he could not miss. And Because you know how it is. In today's world, especially if you are a senior and you have an appointment, you miss your appointment, man. You don't get your, especially if you're taking medication, you don't get your medication. Right. They don't reschedule you for another month. It's just, it's on you to get there. And this guy had no other options. So the deputies took it on themselves to get him to his appointment, got him a place to stay that night, and then brought him back the next day. They wow. just did it in reverse. Wow. So, hooray for those guys. So That's awesome. Yeah. I, I saw the sheriff celebrating inmate transfers with a cake and ice cream. And I thought, you know what? We get so many bad stories about, mm-hmm. you know, in general, having a good story about deputies going way above and beyond. And, and a little reminder, friends, know who your seniors are in your hood and where you live, yeah. you know, and know what their needs might be. Find out. Make sure this doesn't happen to them. Right. Because I'm going to be honest. I guarantee you, 
had he reached out and told a couple of folks, hey, man, I need help, yeah. you know, yeah. somebody would have helped. Yeah, they would. He yeah. didn't have to start walking and feeling yeah. that that desperation where your best choice is to walk down the highway wearing your portable oxygen thing, hoping you make it to your appointment. Mm-hmm. That's not a way to go. You don't have to do that. So, you know, anyway. it's funny what crossed my mind is what somebody may think is, well, was he was if he was involved in a church, he could have called his church. Hey, you're yeah. the church. Yeah. Get to know well, your neighbor and be the church. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, what's really sad is he might be involved in a church and he's yeah. too proud to ask for help. And that, yeah, that could by the be way, true too, yeah. That is the other part of that too, by the way, when you're a Christian, is we're supposed to ask for help. We're not supposed to sit there and wow. just pray about it. We're actually supposed to ask for help. Yeah. We have to tell somebody, hey, Mark, I got a problem. I need your help. Yeah. We have to do that. If you don't, is Mark going to read my mind just because we talk every day? Mm. No, mm-hmm. I have to tell him. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know what? Being the good guy is going to say yes. Right. Can you imagine telling anybody no, Mark, for real? I mean, no, I'm not no. joking, but really. No. It, or you would call and say, hey, Dave, we got to help this guy. You know, yeah. we yeah. would get together and figure it out. And we'd call Mike and a couple others, and we would we could have got the guy from Jasper to, to Huntsville, had sure. we known. Sure, we could have. And, I would have grabbed the keys and gone right away. Yep. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. I, and I, I'm not frustrated. I'm, I'm thankful the deputies did it. I am. Yes, absolutely. And I'm thankful that they posted about it. Yep. But I, how many other seniors, veterans, are in that same situation of, I don't want to be a burden. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be a bother. I don't have anywhere to go. I'm going to, cause you know what? I could see myself doing that. I'll just walk. Yeah. I can, I, I am that kind of guy. Well, I'm, I got it. I'm a grown man. I can do yeah. this. And no, that's just, that ain't like walking to the Dixie Mart at the bottom of my hill, which by <laughs> the way, that's too much for me to do. Cause there's a big hill, you know? <laughs> liferadio.fm the mark and mac show where you know we talked about the deputies helping the veteran make it to his doctor's appointment yeah. which really cool but then I, I what made me look at that was this where it says sheriff celebrates inmate transfer in a very unique way mm-hmm. and you know the best way to celebrate the release of stress is probably going to be cake and ice cream does it for me that's what a florida sheriff did after successfully transferring convicted killer Kimberly Kessler from a county jail to a woman's detention center to begin a life sentence. According to WVLT, Kessler had been behind bars at Nassau County Jail for close to four years. And during that time, she made life a living hell for officers at the Nassau County Sheriff's Office. You know what? I just realized who this is. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. She is horrible. Uh, horrible. This is, a, oh, Mark, I'll tell you, when we get done today, mm. you need to go online. Because I had to cover this story, dude. Really? And yeah. look what she did. She was evil, mm-hmm. horrible. What she did was, oh, but then she would go to court. You got the daggone family in there of her victim. And they're just, they're still mourning her passing, trying to get justice. And this woman would come in there screaming every day in court. They had to take her out of court every day. Because mm. she would scream the most vile horrible stuff oh yeah good grief and and then she wouldn't eat she actually okay you know the story we tell about why you really don't want a monkey as a pet in your yes, house because yes. what they do uh-huh. when you leave yes 
she did that in her jail cell. Yeah. And she also smeared it all over herself. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Sorry. I, yeah. I apologize for interrupting, but, but that yeah. just hit me who she is. <laughs> yeah. Now I understand the cake and ice cream. Yeah. Okay. According to a Facebook post, it cost taxpayers $215,000 to keep Kessler behind bars at the county jail along with med- along well, when medical bills are included in the cost. So after Kessler was transferred to the Women's Reception Center, jail employees celebrated by enjoying a cake with the inscription, Incarceration Relocation Celebration. <laughs> Kessler recently received a life prison sentence after murdering hairdresser Jolene Cummings in 2018. Yep. Now, just to give you just one little backup on this, okay? Yeah. Um, Jolene Cummings, uh, working at this hair place, young woman, beautiful, you know, just everybody loved her. And here comes this crazy woman. Yeah. And, uh, even now, I, I think about it, and I, it just breaks my heart, man. It just really does, Mark. Mm. Ah, good grief. But I, I, it cracks me up because I didn't I, – I know that when I saw the conviction, you know, and uh, I'm not, uh, you know, that she was being sent to big girl prison, mm. I wondered, you know, what was going to happen in that jail because this woman really did just cause horrible things to happen in that, mm. that county jail. People don't realize that. You know, when you get arrested, uh, you know, you don't go like – you don't go from uh, your county jail to big boy prison to await Senate, you know, your trial. Mm. You actually are held at the county level, you know, like yeah. Mayberry. Yeah. You're held in that jail until, you know, either you make bond or you go to trial and uh, and get adjudicated. That's that's it. And so county jails, they don't have like, a prison is made to hold people there for a long time. Right. Uh, by the way, Danny Bonaducci talked about this in his book, <laughs> Random Acts of Badness. <laughs> he said. He People don't know the difference between county jail and big boy prison. So he was he thought he was going away to 90 days or whatever in county, and he didn't know the difference, so he got a bunch of books, and he goes and he shows up to go to, you know, to jail, and he's got this whole satchel of stuff to keep him company during his 90 days or whatever. Yeah. And they're like, you can't have anything in county. You can't even have a toothbrush, man. We'll give you that. Wow. And he's like, what? Yeah, and so, you know, you only get to take books and stuff if you go to prison. So, anyway, they find ding-dong, the crazy's gone. There yeah. you go. Yeah. radio.fm the mark and mac show and you know mark i sent you a uh, a thing yesterday after the show the elvis uh, documentary thing i was watching right yeah and in this documentary it, it, it i'm fascinated not by elvis but by people in general and how they interact with uh, the the history of elvis you know what he did and things like that right uh, just because it's an amazing thing when you're my age and in real life, you only remember the caricature, Fat Elvis, you know, mm. the big jumpsuit and, right. you know, making a mess on stage and just not being good. And you don't realize, well, yeah, there was a lot more to him than that. That the last four years of his life shouldn't define him as an entertainer. Yeah. But uh, and that that documentary helps with some of that. But anyway, in it, you find out that uh, Colonel Tom Parker, I'm not a fan, but Colonel Parker had had a deal with whatever song Elvis cut because he didn't actually write, you know, his songs that they got 50% of the artists of the, uh, the writers publishing, you know, owning the publishing on a record is what actually makes you money long-term because if Mark and I go in and we write a song and we record it and it's a big hit, we make money on the front end, meaning from the sale of the records, we make money touring the song because that's us. Yeah. But, after that's done, after about a year, when it's worked its course and now it's done, the publishing rights are what makes it money. And it's pennies, nickels, and dimes. Right. 
And it's those pennies, nickels, and dimes that 10 years from now keep you in the mansion. You know, mm -hmm. that's yeah. how important publishing rights are. Yeah. For example, and, if you if you use uh, a song even from the 1890s in a video today, you have to pay licensing for that song from back in the 1890s. Right. The, because somebody owns it. Somebody owns it. Yeah. Right. And so with what Colonel Parker did, and it was brilliant because he was trying to build that future is that he knew the power of Elvis. You know, if Elvis records this song, it is going to sell more than it would if he doesn't record it. And so in exchange for this gift of Elvis singing your song, we get 50% of the publishing rights. Well, that worked out for artists, you know, that were writers and, you know, hadn't made it big yet. But established people, they were like, no, no, no. One of those was on the, the song Suspicious Minds, yeah. Mark James. The guy had written it and he'd already had a fairly successful career as a writer, producer, and uh, Chip's moment in Memphis, they were producing. And when Elvis recorded Suspicious Minds, they were like, wow, this is awesome, you know? And uh, the Colonel and his people, they wanted to, get, to put that 50% in there. And Chip's moment said, no, 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 no. You don't get, you don't get 50% of this. Mm. As a matter of fact, I will take this master and burn it in the parking lot before I agree with that. And Elvis was like, no, no, no. Hey, y'all are making chips mad. Just, it's cool. It's cool. Like, you keep it, chips. I, you know, he knew the song was going to be a hit. Mm. So anyway, but I say that Elvis hadn't had a hit in five years at that point. Okay. So Suspicious Minds did become a huge hit and made a lot of money. Well, they didn't give in. Elvis had already recorded it. So there you go. Well, there was another song that Elvis wanted to record. And the same thing, they went to the owner of the song, the one who wrote it and said, going to, you know, Elvis wants to record the song. And she's like, Oh, how cool. This is great. Mm. Uh, yeah, we need 50% of the publishing. She goes, Oh, it was, was really great a minute ago, but now it's not, you know? <laughs> and, uh, that person was Dolly Parton. And the wow. song is, I will always love you. Oh, it had, uh, Dolly had already made it, you know, and it had already been a hit for her as a country music song. Yeah. And so, yeah, she was like, I would love for you to record the song, but I'm, I'm not giving you 50% of publishing. Sorry. Wow. You know, yeah, wow. that's who Dolly is. So it's kind of neat whenever Dolly's in a story. Yeah, it is. And apparently Dolly misses Mexican pizza from Taco Bell. Well, you know what, Mark, the song, I will always love you actually was not about <laughs> Porter Wagner. It was about this. After being a staple on its regular menu for 35 years, uh, Taco Bell decided to discontinue the Mexican pizza option in November of 2020 in the U.S. In an interview with Insider, Parton talked about her love of food, especially home cooking. While she does enjoy a home-cooked meal, the country music legend said she also loves eating out, especially mm. some fast food. She said, I like soft-shell tacos. I like the others, but they fall apart so bad, especially if you're riding around. Like she, does, <laughs> like she does in a tour bus. Yes. Oh, my word. Yeah. I was just thinking about driving down 459 or yeah. 285 in uh, Birmingham trying to eat a tostada. Oh, you know? <laughs> I have been there crumbling in the wrapper, falling all over the seat. Oh, it's bad. She says, so I always get a taco supreme with the sour cream and all that in the soft shell. I love that. And I get an order of rice and beans and I get the mild sauce. I don't get it too hot and ruin everything. She says she especially loved Taco Bell's Mexican pizza, ground beef with beans sandwiched between two tortilla taco shells uh, and topped with cheese, pizza sauce, and tomatoes. She expressed disappointment after learning it was gone. She said, I think they should bring it back. Wow. Taco Bell fans agree. 
with more than 170,000 people signing the Save the Mexican Pizza petition over on Change.org. Liz Matthews, she's Taco Bell's chief global food innovation officer, told Business Insider last March that there's always a chance the Mexican pizza could return in the future. Mark, you and I have to make a couple of phone calls today. Oh. We need to find out who wrote that interview article in Insider with Dolly. Mm-hmm. Because I guarantee you, they work for the company, the parent company of Taco Bell. <laughs> and you know, I mean, this is brilliant. This is brilliant. Yes. What a great marketing move. It's got us talking about Taco yes. Bell. <laughs> and it's going to have thousands of other morons just like us talking about it. And what's really bad is you and I are going there to eat today because we can't stand not doing it now. Oh, man. I got to have one. I got to have it. liferadio.fm the mark and max show and you know mark we haven't had a uh, uh glorified trash story yet today so uh let's see if we can do that glorified you know? trash otherwise known as a message in a bottle workers doing renovations on a Scottish golf course made a surprising discovery. A 95-year-old message in a bottle buried in a bunker. The Golf House Club in Ely, which was established in May of 1875, said workers were making improvements to the fairway bunkers on the ninth hole recently when they found a bottle buried in one of the hazards. The workers looked inside the bottle and found a message written on the back of a Craven cigarette package. The message was dated November 18th, 1926. It says, we are here today, but where we will be when this is found, we do not know. Good luck. Wow. Uh, Wow. Gavin Cook, the golf club's secretary, said officials looked into records and determined the three men who signed the note, T. Donaldson, D. King, and W. Eason, were employees at the facility back in the 20s. He said the workers plan to bury their own message in a bottle in the same spot once the work is completed. Wow. (laughs) That's just weird. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) you hear about messages in bottles being thrown in rivers and into the oceans, but buried in a, in a, in a sand trap on a golf course. Hello. I know. I kind of like that. You know, it just, (laughs) but you know, Mark, and I know it's because we're both getting older. But 1926, okay? Yeah. It's like, I know that was a long time ago. It was. But if it had been 1526, I might be more impressed. Right. So, right. I, you know. Yeah. You, look, if you're going to leave your trash behind, make it. Make sure we can't find it for a lot longer than this. <laughs> this is not long well, ago. you said, wow, to the date 1875, yeah. you know. Yeah, I know. And I know. It's because here in the United States, 1875, <laughs> anything built back then is a... Is yep. a it's a historical site. Now, right. You know, I know it, it just you go to Europe, you go to you go Europe or the Middle East. And it's like, you know, yeah, somewhere yeah. in the stack today, we've got a, we've got a story about a pub that's over 1200 years old in Europe. Ooh. Yeah. Huh. Think about wow. that. <laughs> and here in the United States, anything 1200 years old was, is belonged to native Americans. <laughs> the Mark and Mac show. liferadio.fm the mark and mac show and you know there are a couple of places i don't go you you talked a minute ago about a bar mm-hmm. uh, somewhere yeah, in europe they've been there for yeah. 1200 years yeah, yeah pub that's that's not a place i would actually go right uh, just fyi 
but I also don't go to Vegas. And there's a reason I don't go to Vegas or any other gambling establishment. Okay. I know who I am and that I can beat it. I can beat this. No, I know. I know me. I know me. I, you know, I will, I'm not saying I will never do anything right, ever. Yeah. <laughs> Never have I ever gone to Vegas to gamble, mm-hmm. and I don't anticipate going to, gam- to to Vegas to gamble. I don't care if they have Crime Con there and I'm booked with Nancy to do something. <laughs> I ain't going because I, I, no, I am, I'm the guy from Meatballs. You know, I'm in that camp. You yeah. know, I, the, <laughs> Vegas is Camp Mohawk. I'm not there. I'm over here, man. And I will never be at Camp Mohawk. So yeah. I'm not going. Right. But anyway, this I, I, is what would happen if I did. Uh, an Arizona man hit a nearly $230,000 jackpot in Las Vegas last month, but he didn't know it. While slot machines are usually buzzing with lights and sound effects and extra razzle-dazzle when a player wins, this slot machine at Treasure Island Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas remained silent. He, so he never knew he won. He then returned home to Arizona, unaware that he was supposed to be $229,368.52 richer due to a communications error that caused the machine to malfunction. That's according to the Nevada Gaming Board, whose officials eventually, eventually tracked him down. Multiple agents of the Gaming Board's Enforcement Division initiated... I'm just thinking about the uh-huh. Gaming Board's Enforcement Division. They've yeah. all got really big knuckles. Um, yeah. They initiated an investigation after the casino's multiple attempts to identify the jackpot winner were unsuccessful. They identified yeah. Arizona resident Robert Taylor as the mm. winner after an extensive investigation. The investigation yeah. included reviewing multiple hours of surveillance footage, numerous witness interviews, a review of electronic purchase records, and analysis of of rideshare data from a rideshare company and the Nevada Transportation Authority. Now, we can stop there because, you know, we know what they did. They had to to try to give away this $229,000, okay? Now, there are people all over the country that are going to say, man, that is so honest. Mm -hmm. Look what they're doing. Mm -hmm. They're going to get pub on this all over. And people who never went to Vegas, never wanted to go to Vegas, are going to go, oh, they're so honest there. This is like, I've got to go. This is brilliant. This goes back. I think, I think the same marketing person that did this was the Dolly Parton, you know, taco thing a minute ago. So here's your catch. And this is why I make jokes about Vegas, but why I won't go in Las Vegas. You can actually be banned from a casino for winning too much. Mm hmm. Not being accused of cheating, not being accused of doing anything wrong, merely by using your brain and playing smart on the game of blackjack, you can be banned and your winnings can be kept. Mm-hmm. So when you ever talk about, oh, the gaming commission is so honest, they tracked this guy down for 200. No, they're not. They're the most dishonest, corrupt, horrible thing because <laughs> if you do nothing but play smart, they will kick you out. Now, yeah. if you lose everything because you're a moron and you're just <laughs> gambling away, they will keep that money and not give it back to you. Right. They will let you gamble the house. They will let you gamble away every as long as you're losing that. You know what? Not only will they not ban you, they'll put you up in the penthouse that you can't afford to stay in. That's right. So you stay and spend more money you don't have. But mm-hmm. again, if you win, they can legally again legally 
they can ban you Mm -hmm. where you can get arrested, not for cheating, Mm -hmm. but for being smart. Think about that. Yep. Somebody said once, and I agree, you know, those hotels, the the casinos all got hotels attached to them and they're fancy. You talked about the presidential suite. They have some amazing suites and rooms in those hotels and they're ornate. They're over the top, way over the top. They didn't build all that by losing money. They don't tear down a hundred million dollar right. hotel and put up a billion dollar hotel because that people go to Vegas and win. That's right. LifeRadio.fm. It is the Mark and Mac show where you know Mark and I have a chance to to do stories from around the world and. You know, it, it is kind of neat when you get to see, like, well, we were talking off air about my, your brother being in Alaska and now yeah. in the Philippines. And anyway, I tend to think about places like Hawaii as paradise. You know, I think about it would really be cool to go there and hang out with Don Ho and mm. find a little idol and learn how to, you know, go uh, surfing <laughs> and maybe go hunt some caves and stuff like that, you know. Stumble into the, some Brady's. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah the Brady Bunch uh, <laughs> family vacation kind of thing. <laughs> And so seeing a negative story about Hawaii, it's like, ah, yeah, yeah. I have a friend who just moved to Orlando from Hawaii because he finally got fed up with the government in Hawaii. Just that's well, it. the uh, government went totally, totally crazy liberal, and it's, yeah. it's expensive anyway, right? It, uh, yeah, it's very expensive. Everything there has to be shipped in, so it, everything's expensive, you know. Well, the Hawaii Electric Company, uh, H-E-C-O, shocked a couple with a bill for over $18,000. Wow. Desha Ann and oh, wait, an electric bill for 18 grand. Uh-huh. An $18,000 uh, power okay. bill. Wow. Desha Ann and her hubby, Rashan uh, Kealoa, they live in, uh, they live in Oahu, have an unpaid balance of more than $18,000, including an outstanding balance of $17,860.09, representing wow. years of unpaid invoices, according to the HECO letter recently sent to them. Desha Ann says, I was shocked, overwhelmed, and confused, but still remained hopeful that there's some solution to this. My husband has a colorful vocabulary. He was upset. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know why she said that? Yes. Because she's being interviewed by radio and TV people, and he's in the background just cussing. I mean, it's like she's trying to justify it. Yeah. <laughs> All you hear in the background is. Yeah. <laughs> well, she added that prior to receiving the letter, her neighbors had called HECO to repair a street light when it went out, and the company told them they couldn't repair it because it was a private road. Well, since June of 2020, HECO has been reviewing streetlight accounts for streets located in, uh, on Oahu and found several of these accounts didn't have an existing customer. That's what the letter to the couple says. The electric company said in that letter it believed that the street the couple lives on was dedicated to the city and county of Honolulu. But in November 2020, correspondence, the city does not denied the street was dedicated to the city. The power company added that upon further investigation, it recently learned that the Kealoas own the street. Quote, because you own the street upon which the street lights are located, Hawaii Electric believes that you are responsible for the payment of electricity, electric energy supplied to these street lights. Well, Desha Ann says that she and her husband signed mortgage documents, which did not say that they were purchasing the whole street. And she reached out to her realtor, who has reached out to the escrow office. 
the, wow. the power company spokesman, uh, spokesperson, Shannon uh, Tanganen, says uh, we're working with all parties and have spoken with the Kailoas. Uh, we want to assure them we don't expect them to pay the outstanding bill. Our goal is to determine who owns the street where the street lights are located so that the bill can be paid going forward. This is a, hmm. definitely a common goal that I hope can be resolved as well, says Dejan. Um She said, failure wow. for the developers to complete the dedication process shouldn't be my issue. Not sure who dropped the ball here, but it's out of my control. Wow. Can you imagine? Yeah. Oh, my. Wow. And all I'm thinking, in Hawaii, they are so corrupt that mm. you can't even get a legitimate birth certificate from the mid, you know, early 60s. But, you know... <laughs> And if you complain too much, they kill you. (laughs) I see what you did there. LifeRadio.fm. You know, the Mark and Mac show has a Facebook page. We've got social media stuff. And every now and again, I'll go on there and just start looking. Not often, you know, because you can get lost in that. (laughs) You can. You know, just scrolling, especially if you're not on there every day. And you're just looking for interesting things. But. I saw the, a couple of videos of animals being stuck, you know, in weird places. <laughs> and you can tell some of the videos are old, you know. It's like yeah, there was one of this monkey yeah. stuck in a tree and mm. uh, the tree was on the ground. Anyway, I wanted to reach out and help him. But <laughs> I've seen um, videos online uh, of animals in various stages of distress. I haven't seen this one. Right. Uh, what comes to mind for me is... Uh, there was like a deer or a moose or something. It had been stuck in a car tire yeah. for years and people finally tra- right. got it tranquilized and removed the car tire. Well, the same thing has happened with a crocodile. It's a 13 foot crocodile had a motorcycle tire stuck around its neck for six years, six years. Mm-hmm. This happened in Indonesia. Wow. The croc is finally free. Thanks to the efforts of a local resident there. Wildlife officials in the country said the crocodile was first seen with the tire stuck around its neck back in 2016 and repeated efforts to capture and free the reptile have failed. The National Resources Conservation Agency offered an unspecified uh, unspecified cash reward in 2020 for freeing the crocodile, but the reward was withdrawn when the offer failed to entice any applicants. (laughs) Let's see. You're not going to tell me how much I'm going to win and I got to go up against a croc? No. (laughs) Yeah. A resident there named uh, Teeley, he's 34, said he started attempting to capture the crocodile about three weeks ago using ropes and some chicken as bait. He said Ah. the crocodile escaped from him twice before he finally was able to ensnare the animal Monday. A video from the scene shows him and a large group of local residents restraining the uh, crocodile while while they cut the tire away from its neck. Uh, Teeley says he wanted to help the crocodile because he felt sorry for the animal's plight. Yeah. Well, you know, in uh, Indonesia, in areas over there, they uh, they tend to worship, you know, weird things, animals and what have you, you know, right. um, deformed animals or whatever. And I'm telling you, somebody, uh, a creative descendant of P.T. Barnum could have said, hey, he was born like this, you know? <laughs> yes, that's right. Set up a little altar. You got people bringing their hubcaps, you know. <laughs> <laughs> liferadio.fm the mark and mac show a little while ago we were talking about ye old pub you know and <laughs> yeah i looked it up during the music just because i was kind of curious as to anything that had been open you know right since 790 i mean <laughs> that's know, a that long just, time <laughs> it really is i'm a history buff that goes past it man you think about all the things you know in this bar and i'm wondering you know when the guy bought it 10 years ago did he think you know i really need to update this stool over here i think mm. it's been here since we opened you know it's like yeah 
you could tell it's been there a long time because over in the right-hand <laughs> corner, you know, they've got the uh, they've got the rack, you know, and guys who didn't pay their bill, you know, <laughs> put them in the rack. And over there, that target's not a dartboard. It's for throwing axes, you know. It's, yeah. It's been there yeah. a while. Think of, <gasps> Mark, that's, here you go. We can redo the pub. All you got to do is bring back, bring back the axe, you know. It's like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> What are some fun games? You know, wait a minute. We get Amy Farrah Fowler over there. Yeah. Tell us some great pub games from the uh, 1200s, oh, Amy. Man. Oh, ball of wool. That's there you what go. You want. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a hot spot. They will. They'll be fighting the crowds off. Wow. That's just, I mean, when you think about the options, you know, but it's like, again, once you get past that, ultimately every pub stinks. You know, the worst thing to do is to go into a pub in the daytime, you know, <laughs> and this one's oh, been open yeah. for 1,200 I, years. I used to go wow. in, there was a place uh, years and years ago, I had a route job, and uh, one of the stores that I serviced was right next door to a bar, and when I left there, I I usually, I was, it was about the time of day, I wanted something to drink, I wanted a, I wanted a Coke, I wanted a soft drink or mm, something, right. just a little something. Yeah. And I'd walk next door and order a Coke. Oh, you walk through no. the door and it's like, whoa, they need to clean the men's room. You know? <laughs> LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mag show. And <laughs> there's a story that when I, I look, it says snowplow Betty Whiteout. Okay. <laughs> And all I'm thinking is there's a Mark and Mac up there somewhere <laughs> kicking back going, dude, you know, because this sounds like you and me. Yeah. Well, the honors keep rolling in for the late actress, Betty White. But this time, the legendary screen actress has been immortalized in a rather unusual fashion for a Hollywood icon. While very befitting for a person with a last name like White, the longtime beloved TV star who died on New Year's Eve, just two weeks shy of her 100th birthday, had a snowplow named after her in adopted home state, her adopted home state of Minnesota. The new plow is affectionately dubbed Betty Whiteout. Weeks ago, the Minnesota Department of Transportation put out a call for residents to vote for their favorite nicknames for eight new bright orange snowplows that recently joined their fleet. It was part of the state's Name a Snowplow contest. The ballots were cast and the winning names were unveiled last week. The moniker Betty wow. Whiteout cleared a path to victory along with seven other runaway favorites. Number two uh. was Control Salt Delete. Number three was the Big Laplowski. <laughs> Number four was That's Plowosaurus Rex. Yes. No, that was cool. The Big Laplowski. Number five was Scoop Dog. Uh, number, <laughs> the number six was Blizzard of Oz. Uh. Number seven was No More Mr. Ice Guy. Love it. And finally, number eight was Edward Blizzard Hands. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Betty Whiteout beat out thousands of other nicknames, 22,000 total, including 50 finalists wow. to garner 40,024 online votes out of the nearly 60,000 that were cast, according to the Minnesota Department of Transportation. And again, I don't know who these marketing people are today, but you and I got some research. <laughs> yeah, we do. LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. And uh, Massachusetts, one of those places I think I've been, but I don't, you know what I mean? Right. You, you yeah. have those states where there are certain places I know I haven't been, 
Massachusetts, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. Isn't Boston, I, I, Massachusetts? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I don't recall. I, I think I've been there, but I don't know. All right. I mean, there was a time where I was in the Northeast, okay? Yeah. yeah. And I know I wanted to go to Fenway Park, but I didn't make it. Oh. And that's in Boston. So okay. that's what I, you know, when you replay. there. Are, look, I've talked about some blurry years from the 80s. Right. And again, I think I might have been there, but I'm not sure. Okay. Could have been Connecticut. Not like Chicago. Okay. I got no, you. I mean, I know I was there because yeah. I, I yeah, got the receipts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, a man, a man uh. in Massachusetts was surprised on his birthday. Yeah. How we, bad was your weekend when you have to pull out the receipts to know what you did? Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much, that's a story. Pretty much roofied myself. We're gonna there have, you go. We're going to have to tell that story someday. We are. Yeah. A Massachusetts man was surprised on his birthday with the class ring he lost 40 years ago. You know, we have these now and then, and they always seem to have yeah. a common thread. Wait for it. It's coming. Never in a million years did I think I'd find it, said Dan Halloran, a 1982 Lawrence High School graduate. Halloran remembered losing the, the ring the same year he graduated from high school. And there's your common thread. Every yeah. one of them lose it is right after they get it. He said, <laughs> I used to make to, to take my class ring off before I'd go to base, uh, basketball practice and put it on the top shelf of my gym locker. Um, he adds that his routine didn't re- prevent him from losing the ring after a practice in, a, in 1982. He says, I remember looking everywhere for it. I looked in my car, which was a dented Chevy Nova. I looked in my other locker at school. I gave up. Recently, yeah. a, a janitor clearing out a space in the high school found it between some lockers and called Halloran's wife, Maria, who surprised him with the ring on Saturday for his 58th birthday. He says, it was so cool. The biggest surprise I could have received. Uh, he lives in Lawrence, Mass. now with his wife and three grown children. He said, I was honestly stunned, but I knew it was mine because it had a little basketball with blue diamonds around it. He also said he's wow. gained 50 pounds in 40 years, which changed the size of his ring finger. Mm-hmm. It's basically a pinky ring now, he says, but I'm not complaining. I love it. Wow. <laughs> well, good for him. Yeah. Mine was Ultrium. It wasn't white gold or gold. I, it was mine was. Yeah. Because I had to pay for it myself, you know? Right. And, uh, yeah. And yeah, they named, so, whatever that metal actually was, they named it something really high tech and fancy sounding. Ooh, Ultrium. Yeah. Ooh, I'm getting the right. Ultrium one. Why? It's cheaper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep, because I'm paying for it. Oh, yeah, you got the 24 karat. Yeah, it's because yeah. your mom and dad paid for yours. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So why does your ring smell like fish? It's a uh, recycled sardine cans. They call it Ultrium. LifeRadio.fm. The Mark and Mac show, and today is Ultrium Day. <laughs> you know, it's the, I actually looked it up, Mark. Yeah, we were talking about class rings. The guys finding them after forty years. We get these all the time, you mm-hmm. know. And I, I think it's cute. I mean, you know, a, a class ring. I, are they still a thing? Do people still get those, Mark? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> trust me, either. that is so far off my radar. I can't find it. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Well, how about this? Because we have not had a Guinness Book of World Records, so let's just shift story okay, here. Sure. A battery breaks, right? Uh huh. A battery has broken a Guinness World Record. A team of chemists gathered gathered two thousand nine hundred and twenty three lemons in Britain to break the Guinness World Record for the highest voltage from a fruit battery. Not a fruit. Hold on. Bat. Hold on. Hold Not on. A fruit bat. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. I'm hold on. I'm hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'll be right here if you need me. 
is this the same type thing that we found with the Baghdad battery back in the day that made UFOs were here and told us how to make spark plugs and electricity back when we didn't have the wheel? Is that what we're dealing with here? I don't think so. I, I don't. Guinness says the Royal Society of Chemistry, an international organization of scientists, cut the lemons in half in Manchester, England, and hooked strips of zinc and copper to each each end to extract a total of 2,300. Hundred and seven point eight volts from the fruit. The resulting battery broke the previous record by fifteen hundred and twenty-one volts. That's what Guinness says. Professor Saiful Islam, a material science professor from the University of Bath, who participated in the attempt, said the lemon juice acts as an electrolyte with the zinc and copper acting as electrodes. The lemon battery was used to activate an LED attached to a light sensor that triggered a relay and activated a pyrotechnic system to kick off a go-kart race. Okay. The lemons used in the attempt were processed by ReFood, a company that uses food waste to generate renewable energy for the national gas grid, and remaining liquid was used to make biofertilizer for local farms. Wow. We've solved the energy crisis, Dave. We've solved it. We just have to plant (laughs) lemon trees everywhere. So we're going to have to just go and raise every square acre of ground areas on earth and plant lemon trees and make lemon batteries. Well, hey, man, I thought the potato clock solved it all. There we go. <laughs> so we have potato clocks, lemon batteries. Somebody get Elon Musk on this. That's a way to <laughs> we can have really, truly environmentally friendly batteries for his electric cars. We've solved it, Betty. <laughs> it's solved. Mark and Mac mornings only on LifeRadio.fm.